0: Hello and welcome to Making a Business. My name is Damien and in this series I explore how people have created a business they love, what success looks like to them and how they have found themselves along the way. To find out more, please visit beyourbusiness.co.uk and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Today I'm with Francisco Prieto. Francisco is the owner uh, of Machi's Barbecue, which he also runs at different weekly markets. Uh, Francisco was born in Argentina, but due to the political situation, his parents moved away when he was one. He arrived at the UK when he was four, and he's lived here ever since. His career has involved mainly food, uh, where he worked at some big names such as Pizza Hut and Pret, Pret Pret-a-Manger. He then did a stint in the civil service before returning to food and starting his own business, Macchi's Barbecue. Francisco, it's, it's lovely to, to see you today. Um, I ate at your, your wonderful food stall um, at Imperial Wharf a few months ago and I never forgot the steak that Thank I had. Thank uh, Glad we made an impression. It did. <laughs> Very much so. A positive impression. Yeah, so thanks for joining me today. It's, uh, it's great to have you here. Um, I was struck by your business when, um, when, I had, when I had the stake, as I said, by the authenticity of it and your passion also for, for what you do. It shone through the product and, and I saw how busy you were, so obviously it's not just me.
1: No, much appreciated,
0: yes. Yeah, so, so tell us a little bit about, um, about the business and, and why you, you love what you do. So the inspiration for the business was my Argentine heritage.
1: Um, had come from Argentina and been brought up um, with just language and with the food at home yeah. I've always been around it and access to it and, and Argentinian barbecue, asado was very, uh, a feature very common in our summers yeah. in the UK, the big group of Argentinians would get together and big, big slabs of meat on the open fire and just spend all day mm-hmm. playing football, uh, eating, eating a lot, too much um, and he's always been with me and as I went through the oh. career choices and, and working in food and then eventually the civil service, yeah. I started realising that actually what was always drawn to me, and what I've always enjoyed about food was the social aspect of food, which is yeah. the Argentina salad. is all about being social, about yeah. hanging out and talking, and catching up and, yeah. and, and sharing good food and enjoying good food. Um, mm. It's hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, so. So it's the whole experience. Yeah. It's, it's the whole experience. Yeah. And, and it's, it's for customers to see it being cooked and be it prepared and enjoy the visuals of it and, and, and feel like you know, they've, uh, yeah. there's something fresh and, and, and unique coming to them. Um, yeah.
0: No, that definitely yeah. shines through the business. So you, so you left Argentina when you were one so you don't probably have many memories of argentina no (laughs) i guess nobody does at that age
1: no 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 so no memories of 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 argentina at that uh obviously way too young but i did return there various times from the age of 10 onwards i would go every couple of years yeah uh, visit friends family but always on holiday always there for a month six weeks at a time and then back to the uk
0: but it sounds like when you were in the uk you were You were living the Argentinian life in a way away from Argentina.
1: Grandparents always visiting, aunties, uncles always visiting, cousins. So uh, the food at home, the whole menu, my mother's cooking was always Argentinian fare. Uh, I didn't have, for example, I didn't have KFC until I was twenty years old. Right. Uh, Fish and chips was foreign to me as I was known for a Londoner, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, fried chicken, chips, and uh, fish and chips, and things like that. I started discovering. When I had to go and yeah, feed myself. That's fantastic. And, uh, before that, it was all Argentinian fare uh, and, a- and Italian Spanish influences. Yeah, that makes that, a lot of That's sense. where the culture comes from. So, yeah. so, What
0: sort of food was your mum
1: cooking? When you- uh, so a lot of uh, pasta, a mm. lot of, um, we have something called a milanesa, which is like a schnitzel slightly different breading on it, yeah. um, a lot of that. Then the stranger cuts, we have things like mondongo, which is the yeah. cow's stomach, yeah. uh, or the ophal cuts. I think I had that when I was in Argentina, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you get the mixed grill in Argentina, you have all the ophal, which is the, yeah, the uh, intestines and the kidneys and the sweetbread. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I never got used to that, so it's not for my taste. M- no, no, <laughs> it's cool. But yeah. so, so the culture was always there, but what always stuck with me it was the big hunks of meats that were slow cooked to perfection. Yeah. And I was always yeah, since forever I've always enjoyed
0: going back to that. Yeah. So these these memories from your childhood with food, family and friends. Yeah. An amazing food. Like you say, a lot of, you know, community in that and that's really yeah. that's really stuck with you, hasn't it?
1: Exactly. Exactly. So when I done the street food market I wanted something that was quite open. We used to let customers, before the pandemic, we used to let customers help themselves to the sauces. Okay. Because it always feels like if you make something for yourself, even if you're adding a sauce, you feel like you own a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we used to let customers add as much sauce as they want, literally, like yeah. grab the sauce bottles and help themselves It's too maturity, it bread.
0: it did have, before COVID, the feel of a kind of family barbecue? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. They finished the meal, so I'd put the steak, had cut it up, put it in a tray for them to take away, and then they helped themselves to everything they wanted, condiments-wise. Yeah. So it was very much, uh, help yourself, and there'd be a chat always about the condiments and how we made them, what's the flavours and ingredients, and yeah. so we had the traditional Argentine condiment, uh, chimichurri, yeah. which is very well known around the world, with a million different recipes. So there's so many conversations I've had with regular customers about different ways of making it and preparing it and ingredients that you can and cut not put in there. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it's down to opinion as opposed to facts, <laughs> yeah. which is always interesting. But no, I really really enjoy it.
0: Yeah. No, I definitely uh, I can definitely see that uh, when I was there, and also when you're talking about it now, you're uh, yeah. you're, you're so passionate about it. It's very infectious actually. Um, so tell us about the the. So you, you run a barbecue um, and you cook uh, you cook beef, Yes. Um, so tell us about the, the beef that you use. So we
1: specialise in um, one type of beef, although I've used various cuts as, as needs require, but we specialise in something called the rump tail, yep. uh, which is in Spanish colita cuadril, uh, and various other names in various other languages. So it's the same cut, every country's got a different name for it. Yeah. The rump tail is a rump steak, specifically the bottom part of the rump. Yeah. So in England, there's a, a rump steak is actually three different cuts yeah. in South America. There's a top rump, heart of rump, and t- tail of yeah. rump. Right. Um, top rump is known as picanha, which is quite popular here, the picanha cut. Yeah. Heart of rump is heart of rump, and then the bottom tail of rump is just the bottom end of it. Okay. And it's just the top of the the rear leg of the animal. Okay. So it works quite a lot during its lifetime. So it's a little bit yeah. firm. Yeah. It's got a lot of fat going through it. Good quality fat. Okay. We use Argentinian or Uruguay meat. Brilliant. Most of the time it's grass fed, sometimes it's grain finished. Wow. The grain finishing gives it more fat, which is in demand. Yeah. In, uh, around the world. It's, it's flavour but it, yeah. it's, a trade-off with, uh, it's a trade-off with how healthy the meat is at the end. Yeah. Uh, but when I can get grass-fed, we use grass-fed, which as I said about 80% of the time. Yeah. Um, and the thing about the rump tail is its versatility. You can serve it blue, you can yeah. serve it rare, serve it medium, well done, almost burnt to a crisp and it's beautiful every single time. So
0: you can't mess it up. It's really hard to mess up. (laughs) It makes me look good. That's helpful for uh, for a street food business when you're really busy. Uh, Yeah,
1: that's exactly it. So when you're busy, I've tried other cuts, I I do on occasion use sirloin, ribeye, skirt steak, uh, traña in Argentina. Yeah. Um, But all these steaks, you need to stand over them and you need to watch over them. Yeah. to make sure you don't mess them up, whereas the skirts like the, the tail of run tail you can almost almost forget about it, and yeah. if, if it gets too well done, I've got a customer that's going to want it well done anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and, and, and I want to hurry it up. I've got cu- most of our customers get it medium rare. Yeah. So it's nice and quick, and yeah. it's, it's good. It's,
0: it's, it's straight straight away. Like I noticed the difference between Argentina and, and the UK, and I've never heard of different types of rump. Okay. I just know of rump. So first of all, I didn't know about that. So that's obviously where you're. Your cultural knowledge is kind of coming in. Yes,
1: yes. So in, in Argentina, you go to a butcher shop and you've yeah. literally got every muscle and sub muscle broken down. So there's a lot more here. You've got the, the prime cuts and the popular cuts. Yeah. In Argentina, you can get so many different kinds of cuts from yeah. the same animal. Yeah. Different types of uh ribs. There's the short ribs, the long ribs, cut in slightly different ways. On how you can cook them. Yeah. There's uh, three skirts. So there's the bavette skirts. There's the flat. Uh, there's the Thin skirt. Is it yeah. another one which I can't remember? What it's called did now. You,
0: did you know this much about cuts of meat before you started the business? Or partly, or? partly. yes. Yeah, I, so. I know way more now, but I was aware that there was more cuts.
1: I was aware that there okay. was there's more choice. Yeah. I didn't quite understand why one had choice and one didn't. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out that the smaller cuts are slightly more work because yeah. they're smaller. Okay. They need slightly more preparation. Yeah. So, the more labour intensive. So, and
0: is the rum tail a smaller or larger
1: cut? It's one of the smaller cuts. So, they come in about cuts. one kilo pieces. Okay. A larger cut, uh sirloin or ribeye, might come in five, six kilo pieces. Oh, wow. As a whole right. one. So, if you're a restaurant and you're given one six kilo uh, piece of meat so you can work consistently, it's much easier than yeah. getting six smaller one kilo
0: pieces that all might behave slightly differently. Okay, so slightly more labour intensive. Yeah. Um, why is that? Just because you have to. Yeah,
1: uh, but the, the, yeah the, the sinew, the
0: cleaning up, the, uh, okay, the, okay. It, it takes a bit more time to prepare each meat for the barbecue. Okay, but, but uh, then the, the effect is you have a much more versatile piece of meat. Exactly. it can work in a number of different ways.
1: Exactly, that's a trade-off.
0: Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. So, um, and you don't get any of the meat from the UK. What's the difference between the UK meat and the Argentinian meat?
1: Okay, so, uh, first of all, Argentina what it's got is a lot of space that the UK hasn't got. As a country, Argentina's about nine times bigger than the UK. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. So it's, it's massive in that respect alone they've got a lot of flat land a lot yeah. of grassland, yeah. and the cows can just go and eat and eat grass all day long and there's right. room for millions of heads of cattle in Argentina
0: so they're healthy ha- happy cattle and, because and they're all they British
1: breeds that. so I use Angus okay. or Hereford so okay. really good cows uh, these these cows British breeds of cow okay. are really good at converting grass into fat yeah. so different cows do different things so that's where you get milks for da- cows for dairy you get cows for, for oh, meat you get cows for slightly different, uh, yeah. different things. And the fat, uh, why is the fat important? The flavor. It's flavor. The flavor. So it's converting a, a natural grass into fat, yeah. and the fat is flavor, and okay. it's good quality fat. So it's different types of saturated fats and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So cows that are grain-fed have more saturated fat. Okay. Because it's actually not their natural diet grain, cows yeah. eat grass. No, no, it's grass, um, isn't it? Yeah. But they eat grain because they fed grain and they're fattened really quickly with grain and get a really good flavour from it Okay. but it's slightly unhealthy and I admit I use it when I have to. Yeah, um, yeah. It's still really good quality, it's still got loads of flavour. Yeah.
0: Um, but it's different. It is. Yeah, but if you, your preference is to use the grass fed, the grass feds win, win, win by the sounds exactly. of it. Because the cows are happy and have a good life, they eat well, they're healthy. And then the meat tastes yes good because slightly gamier and it, yeah, it's but it tastes us. like meat should taste you know yeah. a slight sweetness to it
1: uh. um, and the difference between the UK. So in the UK, they haven't got the space yeah, so to, to I, grasp it on that, so you can't, you can't get the capacity yeah. to, to meet the demand of the quality that I'm looking for, and hence, you can get the quality in the UK, yeah. but you're looking about three, four times the price, okay. and it's a capacity issue. Yeah, because yeah. I have asked. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to
0: get local meat at that quality. Uh, I don't know, yeah, I mean, I guess that would be good, wouldn't it? Um, but at the same time, I love the fact that the meat is Argentinian. Argentinian. Yes. I, like, when you told me that. I was just that, that that really was a big part of it for me. Yeah. Why I got so excited about it? Because I've been to Argentina. I've eaten the steak there and the, and drunk the red wine, and I know how good it is. I didn't know why, but but now I do. So
1: it's yeah, a really good animal. As I say, again, British breeds, um, quite pure in their breeds, yeah. so They're not crossbred. Uh, good weather, good grass, treated well. Yeah. And in terms of environmental footprint, it all comes over by. Boat,
0: yeah. Just not flown. It, okay, it, it that's comes, really good. It, it
1: comes in a slow boat in big quantities, so it's not lots of small shipments.
0: Because um, that was my only one reservation, I guess. But yeah. that, that that means the carbon footprint is much smaller. It's
1: much smaller, and also because it's a country, like a lot of things, it's a country that's doing what it can do. It's not it's not a contrived industry. They've yeah. got space for the cows, and the cows are out in nature doing what they want. Yeah. It's not. Um, how to put it, it's not a factory farm so to speak yeah it's intensively farms is what I'm looking for yeah
0: it's, it's naturally evolved the uh, yeah. the kind of combination of Argentina and, and cows exactly. and, and wine uh, exactly it's I funny how those three things have come together or those two things have come together in Argentina yes it's yeah, just yeah. got the the perfect well, the country is so big, it's so, so big. It, yeah. It's the
1: only country in the world with all seven climates at the same time. So oh, it's got really? tropics in the north and it's got the ice in the south. The, wow. so you can go skiing, yeah. you can go to the tropics in the north, get, there's
0: deserts, there's marshland. Yeah, because I've been to the north, I've been to Salta been to and Por- Roman, yeah, yeah, but. Uh, so yeah, I did experience how much it changed. I didn't go right to the south into Patagonia and yeah. uh, Bariloche. Barilocha, exactly. Uh, Bariloche down south. So I have to go back for that, but. Yeah, I was amazed at the difference. Like, yeah, you, as you say, you have desert at the top. Yeah. Complete desert. Uh, I think it's next to the Salar, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and then in the south, yeah, in the very south, you've got the opposite. So that's really fascinating.
1: Yeah. So it lends itself to to the wine, which goes with the yeah. meat. It's a happy coincidence. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Uh, and the football. Yeah, the <laughs> football as well. Yeah. So, yeah and a, and, and you know, I was going to say the connection back to the British also. The British went to build the railways. Okay. And when they built the railways it. in Argentina, they took the football and they took uh, a lot of the... Okay. So, we butcher the animals in Argentina the way the British taught us to butcher the animals. Mm. So, in England, butchery used to be different. Yeah. And they took it to Argentina and showed the Argentinians how to really work the animal. Oh, wow. And then uh, it stayed in Argentina, but the British have since evolved and sped up the supermarkets. More precisely, have demanded an evolution yeah. and simplification of the of the butchering hens. The
0: industrialization of, yeah. of meat production. Yeah,
1: exactly. So in the UK it got much much simpler and much more generic. Yeah, uh, so I think generic is the word. Yeah, I think so. Um, in the supermarkets. Yeah. Whereas Argentina has h- held on to that culture of of breaking down to the to the smaller.
0: That's, individual that's amazing, isn't it? I, yeah. I think I think that's absolutely incredible that we we took the British took that over and then the Argentinians have kept it going. We kind of almost lost it a bit in this country. That that craft, a little bit. Yeah, you know, some of the more bespoke restaurants go back to it every now and then. Yeah, I have a butcher's down near where I live, which is. It's called uh, Tottingworth Farm, and they, they grow all the meat, or they, they they have all their own cows, and they have quite a lot of land, so they're all pasture-fed, and they butcher it all themselves as well. Might be worth you having a chat with them, but it's probably gonna be very expensive.
1: There's context to it, we'll have to see, it, yeah. And it's also, so at the moment, they use about 120 to 150 kilos a week. It's A lot, it's a lot, so uh, and again, a country with millions of heads of cattle, that. you can do it, but in yeah. the UK, it's hard to find a yeah. consistent supply who can provide, yeah, the consistent quality right through the year,
0: yeah. But, but yeah, I think that that place is, is kind of quite rare, uh, exactly, exactly.
1: And, and, and I reckon they could do the quality, and they just wouldn't be able to do the volume, yeah. hence the price,
0: yeah, you're, you're, the volume and the price, you're, you're trading it off, yeah, yeah, so. So that's that's brilliant I find that really interesting I, I kind of want to explore your 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 journey from when you came to the UK as well um, through your through your work so you you found food uh, yes yeah
1: so food was always um, food was always a big part of growing up as is many many cultures everyone when people talk about culture what is it to mean British or French or Italian or Australian or, yeah, the or, or Argentinian, part of it, yeah. everyone refers to food, what they grew up with. Yeah, uh, yeah, so up. that I think everyone can associate with that. To the extent now when we cook at the barbecue, we have customers from all nationalities and yeah. so many of them say it reminds me of home. Yeah. So we've got people from Romania, it reminds them of home because they barbecue. Yeah. South Africa, Australia, it reminds them of home, that yeah. smell. Cooking the British also yeah. is a summer barbecue smell, fire and meat. Yeah, it's it is so universal, isn't yeah, it? It's really simple, really universal. So, yeah. so that idea of, uh, of yeah. food and culture has always been part of. My, and being an, an immigrant to the UK, you, you, you're, you're always conscious of your own culture. Yeah. In juxtaposition to the local culture. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's, it's jumped into. you, This is where we do it. This is how we do it back home. Yeah. Um, it was always. Um, It was always, um, what's the word, emphasised. Yeah. Uh, I'm growing up in the UK. My mother wanted me to make sure I knew my roots. Yeah. So it was like this is a version of what we do in Argentina. This is is Argentinian. Constantly, and that's why the menu stuck quite Argentinian for.
0: Yeah. For for Uh, my youth. And then, Um, so when you when you started to work, you was it was it a natural um, inclination to want to to gravitate towards working for food businesses?
1: Uh, it grew on me. So it wasn't a natural, I don't think it was a natural inclination. I think I found it easy. Yeah. Uh, so when I started working in food industry, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the social aspects of it. As I said, people enjoying food and talking about food and talking about culture. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the, the creation, the different flavors, yeah. different influences. Okay. And, and, and again, learning about other food cultures, the British food culture, uh, having worked for Pret-a-Manger, sandwiches is a big part of British <laughs> culture, yeah. of modern culture. Because if you go back here, it never used to be, but yeah. uh, so it's very, very nice. Someone talks to you about the takeaway sandwich, Yeah, uh, the, the, uh, it's it's a big part of it. Yeah, um, And then also Pizza Hut, which is, again, international culture, again, recognized right around the world that pizza itself, as opposed yeah, to yeah. A Pizza Hut brand. Um, And just having different customers. Working at Pizza Hut was always fascinating. We have um, Italian customers, really, really frequent Pizza Hut. Really? Yeah, which was surprising. And they always order a thin crust margarita. That's very surprising. Yeah. Did you figure out why? No. Uh, I think they just wanted, even when they're tourists in London for like a week or two weeks, I think a lot of people gravitate to their own food. Yeah. Uh, which fascinated me. So they would order, yeah. the Itali- we have big groups of Italian tourists and they'd yes. all order individual thin crust margaritas. Yeah. And they'd spend time looking at the whole menu, <laughs> they'd look at the Super Supremes and they'd look at the meat feasts and they'd look yeah. at everything. And then they 99% nine nine of the time fall back to an individual Margarita, I think
0: (laughs) it was was fascinating. That is the Uh, way to tell, like, or to to gauge how good um, a pizza is. Whenever I go to a new pizza restaurant, I always have a margarita first. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, that's your base. That's your base, yeah, yeah. yeah. If if it's a good margarita, you know, everything else is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, That's a good point. I don't know what they would have made of the. uh, of lasagne, in
1: pizza, <laughs> but, but it, it, it just but it opened my eyes to culture and to influence and to and to why people make certain choices yeah. uh, in terms of food. Um, so I find it, I don't know, curious. Yeah, and nice. and
0: again, it's the, the
1: social aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to, I, I was never blasé with it or was never yeah facts with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, because. You, yeah it wasn't a job you you know you didn't you didn't like or you didn't see any meaning in
1: No 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 exactly that I was curious uh, I I was I was in pizza as a manager uh, not no, as a waiter so I was uh, managing a team so I had time to talk to the team yeah. again a team from, we had people from Algeria. We had people from France. We had Italians working there. We had uh, Polish, Romanians, Lithuanians uh, from Mauritius. Yeah. It's a really, really diverse team. Everyone talked about their food culture. Oh, really? and, 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 and whenever they talk about how they would do it differently in their place, or how they had slightly different takes on how they wanted their pizzas prepared, as and it's all influences from growing up. Yeah. Um, it's, um, so it was, again, even working at a place which is so big and international, yeah. like Pizza Hut, you can still find those pockets of food culture
0: in there. And it's funny how people from other nationalities are also gravitating towards food businesses Yes. In a, in a new country. Yes. Because because of that, that universal, uni, universality yeah, yeah, yeah. of food. You can, you can relate to it. You,
1: yeah. can, you can talk about it. You can uh, compare notes and compare experiences. Yeah. Like for like experiences. If I tell you about um, how one culture celebrates a wedding for example or a birthday it might be very 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 different to another culture yeah. but food is everyone family gets together and yeah. eats Yeah, it, it's really easy to say we've done this and we've done that and everyone can relate to it
0: Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's uh,
1: fascinating fascinating
0: yeah, it is did you find it difficult at all working at these bigger chains that perhaps they weren't taking the care um, I mean I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything that, or perhaps the food wasn't maybe prepared with as much love as um, yeah no I understand what you're saying because obviously the, the trends in the food world are to be more lowest common denominator it's like you do you, you know have, have things done properly yes have healthy ingredients the healthiest the best ingredients and obviously uh, the industrialization of food for a long time did the opposite of that sped things up and was serving stuff which which wasn't as good as it could be. Make, it so, doesn't so, sound like you so
1: did. So there's two things that uh, I learned from the, the two biggest chains I work for, for and for Pizza Hut. For Pizza Hut I was surprised actually the quality of the ingredients is very high. Oh really? So that's very surprising. There's, there's a large common, and, common denominator because they want to walk into any Pizza Hut in the world and it has to be the same pizza that you order in one and you order in yeah. the next one. It doesn't matter where you're in the world. So there's an element of it, it has to be consistent. Yeah. So you'll never, in my mind, you'll never get absolutely the best quality. But you get a really good
0: quality. Yeah, you know what you're going to get. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: And, and, and because it's consistent, it, it, it can never be uh, of a bad quality either. Yeah. It has to always meet really stringent quality standards. Um, so, so that surprised. You know, you think then you get everything yeah. out of a packet, and it wasn't. That's fascinating. Um, it, the dough also that we used, it was risen in. It was risen in uh, the uh, provers. It, in the individual restaurants and yeah. things like that. And you know, as much as things are industrialized as such, yeah. a lot of it was
0: fresh, for want of a better word. Um, that's refreshingly positive. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't yeah, yeah. expecting you to say that. That's just well, What
1: you find with all the big companies though, it's more the way they treat the staff. The staff are cogs in the system. Yeah. That that was more uh, again food and social and societies were the two things that I enjoyed. Yeah. And, and the biggest problems I had was always being a cog in the, in the wheel. Yeah. Uh, he, he, as a, a member of staff, you're there to, to, to make sure that the system's working. Yeah. You're not so much there as an individual. Yeah. In the big, big companies. Uh, which I think it's,
0: maybe it's the nature of the beast, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, um, I think it probably is. pret a
1: are the same. pret a again, they're very famous. And they you know, make a big song and dance about how fresh the ingredients are and the quality of the ingredients. And I give it to them. The quality of the ingredients and how fresh they are, again, second to none. But again, the staff, just so many, they look after their staff.
0: Yeah, within, as well as they can as do. As well as they can do. Given be. the size of the business. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But it, it, a, uh, I think you're right. Again, I think when you get to a certain scale, it, I guess that, um, that familiarity kind of is lost. Yes. So what
1: you get then is, is down to each individual local store manager and I've worked with some amazing store managers at both Pizza Hut and at Pret a Manger and I've worked with some really rubbish store managers at both Pizza Hut and Pret a Manger and, it, and that familiarity then it, 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 it becomes for the individual. Yeah. It becomes You work for your colleagues as opposed to the bigger company. As much as the big company pays your wages, yeah. ultimately you put in a hard shift and a good shift and you do the best you can because you don't want to let down your team in the store. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. So you need a good leader at individual stores. Yeah. Um, so the food quality at neither one and, and, and the big chains, I would fault. Yeah. And so I learned that there also. What I also learned there, in the show, I was very much um, consistency. Consistency. Consistency is key. If you want customers to keep coming back and to know that the pizza they have on the Monday is the same as the pizza they're going to have on a Friday, which is the same they're going to have the pizza on the
0: three weeks later, yeah. consistency is key. If you don't know what you're going to get, you, you hesitate whether to go back. Because there's nothing more frustrating actually than if you have some good food and then you go back to the same place and it's not as good. That That is exactly confusing.
1: And, and, then, and then you're gambling the third time. Should I, should I not risk it? Yeah. So you're not sure. So no, no, consistency is key. Uh, Custom service is key, it has to be a a good customer service with no... uh, You're there to, out of choice mostly, to provide the service, to be friendly, to have a conversation, to make sure that the the food is presented as best as it can, fresh as it can, best quality. And if you're not into that, then really maybe food is in your industry
0: yeah and that's a big part of what you do so can you tell us about how you bring that into your business the consistency and and all the rest exactly
1: of it? so uh, hence when I was saying about using rump tail I used yeah. one cut of meat and I've learned yeah. it and I've learned it so I can get the consistency out of the cut my menu is very stripped back so it's yeah. uh, it's I based my menu concept a lot on the Japanese uh, Restaurants yeah. in Japan, there's a lot of restaurants that serve one dish and serve it really well. Do one thing well. One, do one thing well, and that's it. So I've got variations. You can buy it in a tray, you can buy a potato, you can buy it with a salad, you can buy it in a sandwich. Yeah. It's always the same meat. Yeah. Cooked to your liking, admittedly rare, medium rare, medium. You tell me how you like it. But it's one type of meat served in one or two, three different ways to get it to you, yeah. and that's it. Uh, I want very few homemade sauces, so we've got the classic chimichurri, we've mixed it with mayonnaise, we've got chilli sauce, um, but again, very simple, Yeah. no messing around, try to keep the menu clean, consistent, yeah. uh, but consist- it's that, consistency, consistency, consistency. So we've written down our recipes, yeah. we stick to the recipes, uh, I keep trying to tweak them, my wife stops me, yeah. uh, so I keep thinking I can improve the recipe, and my wife says it's popular, it's good, people yeah. like it.
0: Don't mess with it. So, so tell me about your chimichurri.
1: So the chimichurri, um, that one, it was inspired by, the, um, my childhood, and the asados, the barbecues I used to go to, yeah, uh, on Sundays. Um, we used to go to a friend's house, one of my parents' friend's house, um, who'd done this big asado, big barbecue, and he used to make his own chimichurri fresh, and it was always, always amazing. Yeah, it was just a really clean flavour, just lifted the flavour of the meat as opposed to hid it. Yeah. Uh, really simple and that's what I aimed for, that's what I grew up with and it has always stuck with me. Yeah. So I went into this, so I went into street food and specifically trying to cook meat because it's my favourite part of Argentine food, yeah. it's the one that attracted yeah. me the most. And what I noticed was that in this country, a lot of Argentinian food is accessible. Accessible, it's available. It's expensive. But it's expensive. It's yeah. not accessible to everyone.
0: It's quite a high end, isn't it? If you, you say steak and like high quality steak, you think you think money. Yes. Yeah.
1: And I didn't think it had to be, and it's borderline whether it has to be or not. But yeah. so I don't think we're cheap, but we're not. Necessarily expensive either. I think we I think to try to make accessible is the right word. Yeah, you, we, we try to make it
0: accessible. Is the you obviously got to have profit, but you you want you know like in Argentina, you want everybody to be able to have it. So, so yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So that was my inspiration to go into the street food, and so then when I thought back, goes okay, what lifted the barbecue out of its just meat on fire? Yeah, it was the chimichurri from yeah. that I grew up with. Uh, so I had something in mind. I had a flavour profile in mind. That okay, was aiming cool. for. So it was a question of trial and error, a
0: lot of trial and error. And did you? Uh, and you've nailed it. You've got it back we, to the childhood we, taste. Yes,
1: yes. Almost as you know, memory is history, as they say. Uh, and it's all, but it's it's really, really good. It's really, really popular. Yeah. Um, it's seven ingredients. Yeah, go cool. on, what not? Uh, uh, parsley? Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. So parsley. Red wine vinegar? Red wine, uh, white wine vinegar. White wine vinegar. And that's your choice. So you can use red wine. Okay. But we use white wine because it's slightly, it's not as sweet. So we take yeah. the sweeten- the edge of the sweetness off olive oil uh, we use rapeseed oil again a choice you can yeah. use olive oil but it gives it again it might give it a flavor profile that you like or not yeah so we try to be a bit more inoffensive because we're trying to serve as many customers as possible yeah so back to what i was saying earlier about so meat well done or rare or blue we'd like to serve it as many not just yeah. like every customer comes to us you're going to have it medium rare you're going to have it medium rare, to have yeah, it medium yeah. rare. If you want it a particular way you're going to get it that way and with the chimichurri we wanted to be as accessible as possible
0: yeah hence we have the separate chili
1: sauce so we spice it up separately
0: yeah because you, you can put chili in chimichurri as well so we do but a little bit to kind give a bit, a bit of heat kind of bit. Yeah. so you get a little warmth through it but you don't get uh, burning heat it's not hot at all so now we're getting into the discussions that can be had about chimichurri and the variations that uh, are possible exactly
1: so yeah. we do exactly that so we do seven ingredients uh so it's the parsley is the main ingredient parsley garlic oregano chili water oil and vinegar. And salt? No, we don't put salt in oh. our chimichurri. We put salt on our meat. Ah. We put salt, uh, so a lot of people put salt in the chimichurri, yeah. you probably should, and you put pepper on the chimichurri, and you probably should. We've chosen to leave it out. Yeah. So we salt the meat, plenty of salt on the meat, yeah. and we let that carry the salt into the dish. And yeah. we add the chimichurri, the meat's already salted, the chimichurri just finishes it. Lovely. Uh, because otherwise, our impressions—it's partly health, partly overpowering the senses. We supplement salt on the meat and salt is on the some chimichurri. Some people,
0: like, again, like you say, some people like more salt, some people like less salt. Exactly. So exactly. In cases, you can put more salt on if you want.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So we have kept it quite simple. Um, I think our chimichurri needs salt when you have it on its own, but if you're having it with the meat, yeah, it, it, it balances. It's a choice. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's down to the discussions of. Other recipes in Argentina, so they yeah. put, some people put onion in it.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, chimichurri at some point got to Mexico and to Cuba, and they started putting coriander in it, yeah. which personally I think is a big no-no. No <laughs> coriander in your chimichurri whatsoever, anywhere near it. As an ingredient in Argentina, we haven't got that. We haven't got
0: coriander. Yeah in any dish, whatsoever, it's just not a thing. Yeah, because I, I didn't know before this discussion that chimichurri was actually Argentinian. I, I thought it, I knew it was South America. But I did, I did. So
1: chimichurri is Argentinian, um, the Uruguayans or claim it also, Yeah. Uh, so it's very very popular in Argentina and Uruguay. Does it have a translation? No, and in Argentina there's the, the etymology of it, no one really knows where it's come from. Yeah. Uh, I've read into it, and I suspect it's actually come from northern Spain, they've got a similar source spelt differently but pronounced similar way also chimichurri yeah from the basque country okay and uh chimichurri, sounds, it's quite likely in in the basque country it means uh, mix mix which it sounds like they're mixing different ingredients and different sources of similar nature anything you could find basically yeah. chopped up and into a sauce oh that's really good to
0: know uh, uh, the, the source the origin of it yeah,
1: that's, that's, one version of it, and that's the most likely one that I've read. So uh, they always disputed these things. Uh, so yeah. some people think when the British were there, they were saying, give me curry. They wanted sauce on their meat, so they were yeah. saying, give me curry. I think And, and like the Argentinians it. tried to translate it with a bad accent and it twisted
0: down to chimichurri Because Argentinians say "shit," right? Is yeah. That, is that something that Argentinians do? Say "shit" a lot? Sh instead of yeah, Yes. Yeah, yeah So yeah.
1: we've got the, a different sound to the Spanish.
0: Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Che Guevara. Che. Yeah, 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 che. 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 yeah. I che. had that. Oh, my Spanish was too awful to, <laughs> to to be able to tell the difference, but um, I couldn't understand anyone. But okay, yeah. that's fascinating. So the chimichurri—that's the history of the chimichurri. Um, I've forgotten what I was going to ask now. <sighs> too much chimichurri.
1: So yeah, yeah, yeah. Too so much, much our,
0: chimichurri. Yeah. Back to our, so we use uh,
1: seven ingredients. Keep it really simple, really clean. Uh, I'm I'm happy to share ingredients with people. So we use Argentinian oregano, which is quite pungent. Okay. We use Argentinian chilies, which have hardly any heat at all, because Argentinians can't take heat. Oh, really? We're really I weak when that. it comes to spice. <laughs> um so it's got a, it's a it's got heat, but it's a mild heat. Uh, which is the same one chili we use to make our chili sauce. Yeah. It's got a nice kick to it, but it doesn't linger. It doesn't coat the mouth. So you eat it. It's nice heat, and it's gone. So it's nice.
0: Yeah, it on sounds meat. like you put a lot of thought and a lot of effort into this Jimmy Churi. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, impressed. Yeah, yeah. I'll think of it differently next time I try it with your, yeah. with your meat. I remembered what I was going to say now. The thing I also love about um, your your street food business is the, the way you set it up as well. And the I think an important thing with street food, as a police car goes past, is... Um, is the theatre of food? Oh, completely. Yeah, and when I, you know, like the first thing that attracted me to your, to choosing your, your food to eat was the sight. My, my vision, because I saw from a long way. Like, or, or maybe it was the smell. Maybe I smelt it first. I can't remember. But then, the, maybe the second thing I saw was just the way you'd laid it out. Just like, um, what's it called, a parilla? Parisha,
1: yeah. Parisha. So I've. I've, I've, I've it, Parilla in Spain, Parisha, back to the pronunciation, Argentina. Parisha. Uh, So so my barbecue that I use is actually two barbecues. It's a Frankenstein barbecue. Two barbecues, one I bought off the shelf here in the UK. Yeah. I bought a barbecue in Argentina that's got the V-grills, which allow for the fat to drain off it. Right. I combine them, and then i built a separate structure over the top of it to hang the meats, to slow them down. The it's cooking the hanging process. meat, isn't it? The hanging meat. So I hang about 15 kilos of meat on a busy day and it entices people in. No, and it then does. And then it just drips down slowly into the hot coals. Yeah. And we only ever cook over coal also because right. so, the coal is an ingredient. Yeah, charcoal. Charcoal. Yeah. So yeah, we only use charcoal, no gas. Yeah. Uh, that's an ingredient.
0: That is an ingredient. It's it gives the flavor, flavor of the exactly. smoke.
1: The smoke, exactly. a so good quality charcoal yeah. that burns hot and burns yeah. long. Uh, I add a little bit of oak, just to smoke it up a little bit, Uh, British oak or Spanish oak, just sweetens the meat a little bit. Um, So yeah, no, it's fun. Now, how many people can say that they go and barbecue for a
0: living? Yeah. Yeah, you uh, you love it, don't you? It's it's fun. Can you believe it's your job? (laughs)
1: Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes I feel it. Um, But yeah, no, the theatre completely, so when I started the business, having come from chain restaurants, health and safety, health and safety, health and safety, health and safety, health and safety. <laughs> so I used to put the barbecue at the back, yeah. as far away as, from customs as possible. So yeah. I thought, who wants to get near a flame, who wants to get near oh a hot a hot meat, it's dangerous. Yeah. So I kept it far away and we didn't sell much at the beginning.
2: Yeah.
1: And at some point I thought, theatre is important and I'll, I'll work it out. We'll keep health and safety in mind, we'll make it safe, I'll put it in the right place and, and I'll, I'll think it through, but the barbecue has to come to the front. Yeah. And my sales almost one week to the next. Really? Just went up. That's and, how important and it and is. And it took off. It, it's so important, just the visuals. Yeah. So, so there's the smell that attracts first, but then you yeah. have to match that smell to the visual. Yeah. Um, so it's really important the theatre and uh, a and, and, uh, the, the good flame every now and then just to flare things up a little bit. Um, no, completely, completely agree. We eat with our eyes. Yeah. Uh, so everything has to has to look good, and we prepare each dish for the customer, like if we're going to serve ourselves. Yeah. So every sandwich goes out, and every tray of food goes out, like if that was our own lunch or so our own you're, supper. You're doing it with a love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're bringing the and, love. And if I'm not, my wife makes sure that I am.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. uh, your wife work, work with so you it's, on it's the. it's two of us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So it's
1: me and my wife. Uh,
0: oh, I didn't know that. That's
1: very On nice. the store. Yeah. Um, you get on all right. Mostly when yeah. I behave. <laughs> um, yeah. It's hard working. Everything's hard in life. You have to pick your battles very true um, but yeah so no the visuals are really important the quality is important the consistency is important Yeah, it all has to matter there's nothing worse than seeing something that looks amazing and it's all style over substance I'm being so yeah. disappointed it's got to be both but uh, I like the fact that I'm you know a little bit of arrogance I know that someone sees the visuals takes the food they will enjoy the food arrogance or confidence
0: uh, a bit of both yeah a bit of both <laughs> um <laughs> Just want to take you back a little bit away from food for a second to talk about another chapter in your life, which was when you worked at the civil service. Um, so everything's making sense to me so far. but what, why the civil service? What was that about? So the civil service, uh, I joined in 2009.
1: So I had worked in food uh, prep and Pizza Hut for three, four, five years prior, just consistently working management and long hours. Food is long hours. Yeah. No weekends off. Five, six, seven, eight years out. I, I can It all blends into one. You wanted a life. I, wanted, I thought Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, maybe I could do something with this. I could, yeah, exactly that. My children were growing up, I wanted to see them a bit more. Yeah. Uh, see them a bit more often on the weekends and the evenings and things like that. And I figured I could go work. And also, I'm, I'm quite, uh, again, back to social, society yeah. and things like that. I'm very much about the social aspects of life. So I thought I'll go up for the Department for Work and Pensions in 2009. After the two thousand eight crash recession, we right. were looking to employ a lot of people, and I thought I could join and make a difference. Yeah, uh, I, I've got the enthusiasm to, yeah. to, to, to make the social awareness or the social want to make a difference. So that's why I joined the Department for Work and Pensions, the job centre. So I joined as a manager. Yeah, so I, I didn't join. I didn't work at the desk. At help face-to-face individuals, but I yeah. joined as a, as a team manager to bring in a bit of private uh, enterprise knowledge to the job centre and to the sure. civil service. And how was uh, it? Fascinating, frustrating, yeah, uh, interesting, I learnt so much, I loved it so much, I hated so much. What did you love? Um, a lot of people do want to do good. A lot of people working for the civil service know that the country runs, different aspects of the country runs because they do their job. Yeah. Because people uh, get up in the morning to make sure that certain aspects of, uh, certain aspects of of their world, of their job, make a difference to people that otherwise they'd have no connection to. So in in many aspects of the civil service, not just the job centre, but people need to be paid benefits, people need to be helped to find work, people need to uh, be helped to to, to improve their lives in the case of the job centre. And there was a lot of people there, not all, I'll be honest, but they wanted to
0: make that difference for others, selflessly. So Uh, overwhelmingly the people you work with were, were good people? Overwhelmingly, yes, they're meant well.
1: Whether they're capable of of carrying out what they're meant to carry out is another matter. Yeah. Um, it was, it, it, you learn a lot. You learn a lot from the, the workings of government and why certain things can and can't happen yeah. uh, in terms of bureaucracy, in terms of politi- politics, because ultimately the country is run by a political party, not by yeah. the civil service, as much as some people try to convince you otherwise. Yeah. Uh, the civil service was at the whims of... Politicians, yeah. Um, so there's a lot to learn, and there's a lot to hate. Um, the pre- there's a lot of pretense. There's a lot of uh, things done to look good, and not because they are necessarily good. Yeah. It, it shows good headline, as opposed to actually making a real difference. Yeah, uh, that's frustrating. Um, it, 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 you talk about meritocracy—that you're promoted because you deserve to be, but yeah. you're not. It's just. Normally when you're good at your job, you tend to be left in that job because you're good at it. Right. As opposed to promoted out of it to influence a wider team. So when you say, why don't we promote such and such person? Too good. Irreplaceable. They're irreplaceable. So it's like, actually, they can influence 10 others and make sure 10 other people are. Yeah. But the logic sometimes was, actually, no, if they're gone, those 10 others can't do that person's job. So let's leave them there. And it's short-sighted. Yeah. uh, Which is a strange one. Yeah. Um, so you were there for nine years? No, service so for six years. Six years. Six years. Uh, from two thousand eight, uh, two thousand nine. Sorry, two thousand eight recession. Two thousand nine, I joined, um, and twenty fifteen, I left. So twenty fifteen, they were making voluntary redundancies. Right. At which point they were making uh, payout according to length of service. Yeah. For six years, I got a small payout. Uh, yeah. Not much at all, but enough to start something different.
0: Yeah. Hence. Barbecue was born. Did the idea come... had the idea been born before, the, um, before the, the payout? So the idea had been in my head for 10,
1: 15 years. Yeah. It was a slow... Squeaking chairs. It, it, <laughs> it, it was a slow, slow, slowly building and heating up and tempting... And 10 years? Uh, at least, just wow. it, so before I, when I was working on food, it's like marinating, you know? yeah, marinating exactly. If I was doing it myself, so when I was working in and if I was to run food myself, what would I do different? How would I do different? Was yeah. it so just the idea of running, of working with my own food was just working away, working yeah. away. And then it was a job center for the first three or four years, um, I was trying to do the best I can, but for the first last couple of years at a job center, my mind was already on. What, what's next? What's, I need to find what's next. Yeah. Uh,
0: at which point, the bunch redundancy came It's interesting, came those redundancies, that, that payout was offered at a time when you were like, yeah, it's funny that that happened after yes. you realised you wanted to leave. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah like, exactly. Okay. So, yeah. This I, is I, me, I'm out, I know what I'm going to do next. I bit a hand off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> uh, you was surprised when I left. Uh, were, was, you, were you one of the irreplaceables? I was one of the irreplaceables. I used yeah. to do a lot of their spreadsheets and a lot of their numbers. So i brought in from the... That's another thing I learned a lot at pret manger and at uh, Pizza Hut and a few other jobs I've had was the numbers side of it. Yeah. So t- really controlling the numbers and making sense of all the data that would come to you yeah. and knowing what you had to order and how to staff and how to budget and how to yeah. just... If, volumes and volumes and volumes of data and just squashing it down to make one clean sentence, one clean paragraph to say, because of all this data, we do this now. So in the job centre, I was one of those. I, I ended my last two years there number crunching a lot. Have you always found numbers easy? Uh, enjoyable also, but yeah, relatively Good at, good at maths? Not particularly. I'm, I'm good at understanding data, more than maths. Okay, interpreting so, it. Interpreting it, seeing yeah. the numbers, seeing, seeing what it's telling us, making sense of where it's come from and where it's going, seeing the pattern in it. Yeah. As opposed to trying to apply a particular algorithm or a particular yeah. uh, formula to something.
0: Yeah. A um, manager I used to have used to call it managing by numbers. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that even now, my own business, I manage by numbers. I'm obsessed with spreadsheets and numbers and making sense of the world. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah, and everything tells me I'm a rubbish businessman. But six years later, I'm still here, so carry on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, something's going right, definitely. (laughs) Something's
1: working, something's working. I just, uh, there's always a, I don't know, maybe I read too much into the numbers sometimes, but we keep going.
0: Sounds like you're pretty well balanced. So six years in, so that you left, how was it starting the the, the food business? You said it was quiet to begin with. So uh, at first it was,
1: uh, quiet at begin with, which is good, you don't want to go in you know, into the, straight into the fire. It's in yeah. that respect. we ha- I had a cushion of time to try to make sense of it. I started the business with my brother and his best friend, so there three of us in it. Yeah. Uh, we, that lasted for about a year before we decided that what we wanted out of the business was different. Cool. And what we wanted was um, we had different ambitions and different uh, motivations the business what was your motivation my motivation was democratising food a little bit so I had to make a living from it
0: and the others they wanted to make money
1: the others wanted More, to make money maybe. The, others, the priority for them I always think to this day I think that if you make good food and you have a good product and good service money will follow Yeah. be it food be, I it, agree. be it any business Yeah. you have a good business if it's good and it makes sense and people need it obviously yeah. uh, money will follow yeah. Whereas a lot of businesses, and including uh, my initial, including my brother, money was the priority. Yeah. And everything else followed from that. And it, admittedly, you need a bit of a balance because without one, you can't have the other. So yeah, if yeah. I couldn't run the business, if I didn't have a, a profit margin, so to speak, if I couldn't pay myself a wage, yeah. uh, six years later I wouldn't be here, but I wouldn't be able to afford to be here, I'd yeah. fall back into
0: someone else's employment. And the whole democratizing the thing you love, what's that about? Do you just you just want people to, to, to experience what you, what you love? To,
1: to experience good food. If you're going to experience good food at an accessible price, I, I, I don't think i call myself cheap, but not expensive either.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, I don't think accessible food needs to be of a particular quality. It, um, it doesn't have to be supermarket food. It yeah. doesn't have to be of a particular, uh, how do I put it? Quality, healthy food should be for everyone, basically. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a niche at one end of the social spectrum, and everyone else has to make them with Pizza Hut, with yeah. fried chicken, with um, you know a basic offer. Yeah. Um, a good quality meat that's healthy, that's, that's rewarding, that's enjoyable,
2: yeah. should
1: be for everyone. Argentinian food, as we mentioned earlier, in the UK, the restaurants are expensive. Yeah. And, they, and they don't need to be, it's a choice. You go to Argentina and everyone eats meat, it's a stable diet. Just here, people eat chips uh, in, I don't know, in Asia. My wife's from Philippines, and in, in, in Philippines they eat a lot of rice, a lot of pork. That's normal. In Argentina, beef is normal. Everyone yeah. eats steak, everyone eats good quality meat. Yeah. And it's a choice that, that doesn't happen in other parts. And the beef culture does exist in the UK, the steak culture does exist in the UK. Mm. But the accessibility to good quality steak and the accessibility to good quality meat is a bit, um, it's hard to come by.
0: Yeah, and you're doing something, yeah, something quite to, different in that Yeah, yeah.
1: That's, that's, yeah, that's a fallout again of my tendency to go to work for the civil service, to try to do something social. Yeah, I yeah. I have quite a, uh, for want of a better word, of a slightly socialist bent. Uh, married with a commercial capitalist
0: bent, but I don't know how it, I end up somewhere there. Yeah, yeah, it's something that works. And then, yeah, so then you started the business, your business partners left?
1: Um, they, yeah, they left, I pushed them out slightly, they pushed themselves out, so my brother set up a parallel business selling, uh, so I stay. we started in Brick yeah. in a quite touristy area, on Sundays yeah. and stuff, we quite busy. Uh, at some point we decided actually, we did want different things, and so we did see the menu and the offer, and how we served and why we served, to go in different ways. So my business partner, brother and his friend set up a parallel business um, in North London, in Enfield, I want to say, Yeah. Uh, in a little market there. And it went well for them for a certain amount of time. Um, but again, they had a different motivation, yeah. a different customer base. Um, they started changing their menu. Yeah. Uh, so, whereas their, my fortunes carried on, there's not so much.
0: Are they still going? Uh,
1: no. No. They both moved to Portugal. Uh, very successful in what they do now, but
0: completely yeah. different industry. That's uh, really interesting. So, um, maybe you had more passion for what you were doing than they did.
1: Yes. So I, yes. Probably
0: so I, what has been the winning formula for you, I think. Um, I think so. I had a purer vision of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wanted always, always, always for the food to be first. Yeah. Uh, whereas they always, always, always wanted the money to be first. Yeah. And, and to their credit, they found a business that allows money to be first, and they're very successful in what they're doing in Portugal. They found the right it, thing it, for them. They, didn't they're they? in tech now. Yeah. Uh, they found they found a way to monopolize, uh, to make money in tech. Yeah. Uh, so good for them. I'm really happy. We're on really good terms. Uh, but the first year was very very stressful. Yeah.
0: Um, working. It's hard having business partners. I've, yes. never, I've never had one. But.
1: The, the, the difference—it's hard having a business partners. Very hard, but it's also sometimes very important because they can play devil's advocate with you. Yeah. They can pull you in directions that you wouldn't have otherwise gone, or stop you going down routes they shouldn't really go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but finding—it's like a marriage. <laughs> finding that, that finding that partner that can. Yeah.
0: Uh, cover your weak spots Yeah, um, Yeah, like a marriage like you say, somebody that compliments you That, that, that complements you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, And that. it can be as difficult to find as somebody you want to marry, I think Oh, completely, yeah. completely I, I've met many people in street food
1: that I think they really, really need a business partner Yeah I, You know, They've got really good ideas and they, they've got really good uh, concepts but there's moments where you think if you had a business partner just to rein you in a little bit maybe yeah, you have made yeah. a slightly different choice And you wouldn't be stressing about that particular thing now than you would otherwise.
0: Do you see a lot of people come and go in street food? Because I did when I worked in it.
1: Yes, yes. A lot of people think it's easy. And they don't
0: realise the effort and the hours that go into it. They come in thinking it's a piece of cake, and they think the work's done when they've almost started. That was my experience. And then, yeah, I used to do a lot of events, and I'd see people come in, and they'd be, like, all excited because they'd got a pitch at a certain place, and they paid a lot of money for it. And I just think... You know, you're not going to be here in a year. (laughs) No. (laughs) Sometimes. It's sad.
1: Yeah, because the moment they pay that pitch, they have to work out how to earn it back and then to make a certain percentage above it to make it all worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, I think street food, uh, food in general,
0: in general, the hours they have to put into it. You've got... I think you've just got to, got to love it. You've got to love it or it won't work. Yes. And that's got to be your main motivation. You've got to love... You've got to love what you're doing because if you do it for money or anything else because you think, you know... 'll be you 'll always be grudging else, yeah, and those are the people i 've seen fail, yeah, yeah, because yeah. we I used to help people I used to build food trucks as well with one of my okay. old businesses, yeah, so I helped a lot of people start a food business, and the ones that succeeded were the ones that didn 't complain the ones that the ones that failed or, or didn 't succeed, if I should say the ones that were kind of like negative from the start, they found problems with the truck or they found problems with how long it was being taken to be made. They were finding problems before they even started. The other ones, they were just they were just happy all the time. And they were like, just, you know, they had the energy that they were in that business. It felt yeah. right for them. Where there's a world's away kind of attitude. Never complained. And those are the guys that are still going today. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I can see that. I can see that.